This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your calls. Andrew Forbes, Peter Barracchini, and Alex Hobson. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Sticks in the Six, episode 96. Guys, we are getting oh so close to that century mark. Um, and we're just a couple weeks out from the regular season, another Leafs season, another one with you guys. And uh, we're going to be running, running ship this uh, this season. We got some live shows coming up in Toronto. Uh, we have some big news and we'll we'll kind of get to that right off the hop here. But um, before we do, Peter, how's it going out your way, buddy? Uh, eventful weekend off the record or off the air before we started recording. I was complaining about how, you know. Cable was not my friend and how we're trying to like fix everything, get our packaging subscriptions all set up with our new bill. And all of a sudden Rogers and the cables just started putting channels left and right. Like our whole entire subscription just got messed up. And for a couple of days, not a good experience having to call them nonstop and saying, Hey, we asked for this channel. Why isn't this channel working? And it's going back and forth. And it's just a massive headache with everything right now. And everybody can relate to the Rogers outage that happened in July. So yeah, fun day going back and forth on the phone and trying to like get everything sorted out. But other than that, I've been peachy. Good, good. That's good to hear, buddy. That's good to hear. Alex, what you got going on your way, bud? Peter, I'm going to be honest. I didn't think you were going to end that story with other than that. I've been peachy. (laughs) (laughs) I always, no matter what happens, even if something bad happens, I'm just going to be like, you know what? It happened. I'm going to go back to being positive. You know, that's the right mindset to have. (laughs) Boys, so you obviously know that for the past year, I've been tagging you guys along with the chronicles of low division men's ball hockey. Oh, here we go. Yesterday was a big day for Team French and Fried. We got our new jerseys, and these things are filthy. I feel I envy our listeners, or I don't envy our listeners because they won't be able to see because they're not on the Zoom call with us. But check this out. Beautiful. You guys are getting a okay. Yeah. Beautiful. (laughs) So, just for for reference, our team is called French and Fried. Our logo. This is for the listeners who can't see. Our logo is a basket of fries, a McDonald's style basket of fries, and one of them has a nice little doobie sticking out of its mouth. 
it's a it's one of my it's like the, it's like you know you know that saying about how proud you are to play play for the logo on your chest i've yep. never been more proud to play for the logo <laughs> um i should update you guys actually we uh i guess because in the spring season we made it to the finals us and the team that we unfortunately lost to got promoted so we went from division 11 to a vision 10 so we're we're slowly making our way up through there the you ranks. go there you go we uh we had a tough start to the season because uh, we've had some thin lineups, guys. They've been scheduling us a god-awful time. So we played our last game 10 o'clock on Sunday night. Like, what the fuck is that? So tough time to play. We uh, we were losing. We were down by one to this team that we were playing. And I got, I got the ball on a two-on-one with, like, a minute left in the game. And I don't think I've ever wired a shot off the post as hard as I did there. It was just a, it was a heartbreaker. I went, I went home pissed off that night. But uh, our next game is our next game is next when or uh, next Monday. So I'm hoping we're gonna have uh, I'm gonna have a better story to tell then with these new jerseys finally. So it kind of sounds like you know like something that would be in like a Shorzy episode. Oh, you could 100% make a docu <laughs> make like a docu series or something about this team that I play on. Man, it's <laughs> the drama that like I'll tell you right now, and I've said it a million times, but there are a few more demographics that are as competitive as recreational men's ball hockey players oh man where's uh jared i was about to say where's jared kiso to start producing this series right now i'm gonna watch that 100 percent. i'm gonna have to make a call i think hey you just wait we'll get at some point we're gonna get big enough that we're gonna get a videographer and then we'll send him out your way to just just to record your weekly games (laughs) put it on our youtube channel oh my god incredible you guys can do you guys can do like a play-by-play and color commentary thing maybe yeah hey, I, i'd be down for that yeah hey a little bob menery <laughs> oh uh, my god our team could use a, our, our league could use a bob menery 100 oh boys it's it's been a week out my way it's been a it's been a crazy week as most of you know my daughter's in the NICU she's doing well she's getting bigger she's uh she's starting to starting to get herself off the oxygen which is great um almost a month old already almost a month old already where's this time go she'll be on skates playing for team canada in no time um but i want to get to a couple quick things before we we jump into leafs hockey obviously there's some big news with the leafs sandine signed today uh you two were all over that uh over the last couple days but first off i want to Shout out the bottom line. We will be there October 12th for our first live show. It'll be the first time the three of us sit down together, meet each other, and uh, shoot the shit over the game that we love and the team that we love to hate. Um, At the same point, we have a one-time sponsorship with a company called Vodkow. Now, they make vodka out of wasted lactose from the dairy farmers of Ontario. We'll get more into that, obviously, with our Adri, but it's a great story. Very nerdy if you're into that stuff. Interesting. Um, but uh, some very good, some very good cream liqueurs that they'll be tasting at the uh, live show. So make sure you October 12th, you're at the bottom line, 22 Front Street, uh, steps from the Hockey Hall of Fame. On top of that, we'll be working on a new sponsor over the next little while. It's actually going to be a full season sponsor, full season partner. Uh, we're looking forward to that. Um, but be this this next one. I know Peter was very curious about it because in our notes, I have it as Greg. Okay. So I'm going to tell you a little story. So this very specific. Very Greg. specific. This, this afternoon, we took my son to the park uh, with my, my wife's cousin and, and their little guy. And um, my wife's cousin, her husband's name is Greg. 
Um, and I know the two of you will remember times where I've talked about a buddy of mine who burned his leaf Jersey after that horrible end to the season. Well, that is Greg. So Greg mentioned to me today how he listens to the show and he loved how there's been a couple times where I've mentioned my buddy who burned the Jersey and you all know my opinion on the, on the, the burning of jerseys, but oh, yeah. I just, I just wanted to give Greg Corbier a shout out because uh, I mean, they, one, thanks for listening, but two, thanks for giving us content to talk about. Um, great guy. Great guy. Um, aside from that guys, Tire. I'm gonna I'm gonna pump my own tires going into this season because Dennis Mulligan looked very good on that second line, and we're gonna get to that in a little bit. But mm-hmm. last season and going into this off season, I I had three calls that I made, and I, I referred to myself as the outside insider a couple times. I'm gonna I, if Mulligan makes that second line to, on opening night, I will do it again. I had Calgary as one of my landing spots for Nazem Kadri. I had Goudreau going to the New Jersey Devils if he didn't go to Columbus. And I had Giordano coming to the Leafs at the trade deadline. So if Mulligan makes that, that gives me four this in the last calendar year. That's it. I'm changing my entire Twitter profile to inside or the outside insider. Um, but anyways, enough you, of that. You know what that's, you know that's going to do? That's just that's going to put you a total echelon up above Peter and I in terms of uh, Twitter handles at the end. <laughs> Like it always, it always sounds so cool. We're all on the same level, but you're going to be like, yeah, you can follow Peter Barracchini at P Barracchini. You can follow Alex at a Hodgson media, or you can follow myself at the outsider insider. <laughs> the outside insider. Uh, does it count good. that at the draft I called, does it count at the draft that I called Frank Nazar going to Chicago and Jonathan LaCaramacchi going to Vancouver? Hey, would that kind of count? Else? Anytime you can pump your own tires as as a outside media member, then absolutely you pump you your go. own tires. Hundred percent. Then well, I'm that, gonna I'm gonna call that. Well, in that case, Peter and I both manifested the Rasmus Sandin signing today. Yeah, that's right. He did it. He, that's he right. Did it, he did it yesterday. I mm-hmm. did it this morning. But we both we both dropped something. Just like, hey, Kyle, tomorrow, or in my case, today, it's a good time to sign Rasmus Sandin. But look what he did. He he was listening to sticks in the six. I guarantee. Yeah, that's right. That's I, I, had, I had it. I, I up had in, to do up this. In, I had up in that plain office. Of his. <laughs> yeah. I had to do it because I saw uh, the least PR tweets saying Jordy Ben will not return, and I'm like, really would like to see a Sandine extension. I posted the SpongeBob the next day, and then I literally posted a, a screen cap of Pierre LeBrun breaking down the rest of Sandine contract. So I'm like. Like, I, 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 I don't understand how that manifested so well, but yeah, Alex, we were probably in the right to do that, and lo and behold, it actually happened. Yeah, yeah. boys, I was sitting at work this morning, and uh, I've mentioned a couple times before. I work at a radio station. I was producing a show this morning. It was like seven o'clock in the morning. I got a window with, in my studio, and I'm looking outside, and it's looking looking super dreary and. Weather just wasn't great to start the day. You know, that was sort of the theme we were looking at for the day. So I was just sitting back and thinking, you know what would make those clouds go away? Would be if Rasmus Sandy inside a contract today. And two hours later, GMKD got it done. So there here we go. go. There you oh, go. There you go. And, win. and perfect segue into the Maple Leafs talk, boys, is as you mentioned, Rasmus Sandin signed a two-year deal with the Leafs, ending his RFA holdout. What a holdout it was. Um, two years, $2.8 million broken down to an AAV of 1.4 million, although it is kind of 
um, divided a little bit differently. 1.2, I believe in the first year, 1.6 in the second year. Mm-hmm. Um, your thoughts, especially with the injuries that have happened over the last day or two, um, we'll go to Peter first, your thoughts on the Rasmus Sandin deal and uh, what it looks like for the Leafs heading into the season. It couldn't have happened at a better time for both the Maple Leafs and Rasmus Sandin. I, I, I'm okay. I'm just glad that it's over and done with, and it didn't get to the point where it was like Nylander esque, where he would miss two, three months signing at the deadline and then be off completely. So he still has time to get back into some preseason games, get into the game shape, and then hit the ice and then prove his worth of what we've seen in the past of him being that you know skilled offensive kind of two way defenseman. Um, I am a little disappointed that the fact that this is exactly Timothy Lilligren's contract, which I thought that they should get matching contracts to try and prove them, prove their worth. Although Sandine's uh, second year is at 1.6 million in terms of total salary, 1.4 going up against the cap. But it just seemed like the stalemate was for something that was bound to happen anyways. You know, I, I didn't think Sandine had any leverage at all in trying to hope for like at least getting that Adam Bulkvist type money that has been rumored to be what his asking price was, what Dubas wasn't going to budge. And, and I, this came out as a big win for him because you have a promising defender for another year after this one, same with Lilligren and it, and for uh, qualifying offer purposes, 1.6 is probably a decent amount that you try and build off of where you can try and go a little bit over if you're still not satisfied with his play. So I, I, I'm just glad that it's over. I'm glad that we have one of our top defenders back in the fold. And I'm just curious to see, not curious, but I'm excited to see what he can do this year because mm. now this is the kind of prove me now contract right now. And with the Lilligren gone or out because of the injury, this is now Rasmus Sandin's time to shine and show that he's able to elevate his play, especially battle for a potential top four spot on the left-hand side. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. Alex, what are your thoughts on the Sandine deal and, and getting him into the lineup as soon as possible? I, I honestly, I, I, I don't think it's unfair to say that during these, this little mini holdout here, Sandine, it's sort of, you know, people had sort of gotten sour tastes when, when yeah. like referring to him and sour tastes in their mouth, just because, you know, the William Nylander holdout we went through in 2018, Mitch Marner not signing until right before the season started in 2019, 20. So I think naturally fans were a little, you know, a little more inclined to turn against Sandine a little bit and just be like, dude, do you want to be here or not? At the same time, though, I think this contract kind of shows that he was getting bad advice from his agent. And I'm not going to speculate because I'm not a sports agent and I have no idea what his relationship with Lewis Gross is or anything like that. But the fact that, you know, it took a couple of injuries in, in camp for Sandine himself to be like, okay, I got to get back and like, this isn't worth it. So, I I always thought that the holdout was sort of was stupid just because, like you said, Peter, he's in a very similar boat to Lilligren right now. And, you know, he ended up signing the same contract as Timmy did back in June or July or whatever it was. So um, it would have been great just to, you know, spare everybody the three months of the holdout and just have him signed at the same time as, as Lilligren. Um, and all, at the same time, you know, we talked about it last week about how the, the playing time shouldn't be an issue for Sandy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's sure he's he, he's kind of maybe behind Giordano and Muzzin on the depth chart in a sense right now. But at the same time, you know, how confident are we that Jake Muzzin is going to is going to have a full healthy season? And Mark Giordano, you know, he's I mean, he's he ages like like a fine wine. So he'll be he'll be around for the next two years for sure. But 
you know, by the time he turns 41 years old, I can't really imagine he's going to take another contract and, and keep playing. So there's an obvious path forward for Sandine here. And, you know, the playing time, sure, he might not be thrust into a top four role this season, um, but there is a path there and there's a, there's a place that he'll get to eventually. And I'm glad that he finally signed the contract and, you know, came to his senses to realize that. Um, I just, I, 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 I'm, I, I think above all, it's just great to have Sandy back in the, in the room. And, you know, obviously you never want to see a player get injured, but in a sense, it, it, it's almost, you know, almost kind of glad those injuries happened just because if they didn't happen, who knows how much longer Sandine and his agent would have let this, you know, drag, drag out for it. The Leafs are going into their next couple of preseason games with a fully healthy core. Um, and, you know, especially considering Ben and uh, Dahlstrom's injuries are likely, they're, they're likely short-term. I think I saw Ben was a groin injury. I can't remember what Dahlstrom's was. I think it was shoulder or something like that. Either way, Neither of them are serious, so you know it's it's a good thing that the opportunity opened up for him, and I'm I'm glad that he'll be back and ready to go by 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 the time the season starts because it looks like they're going to need him right now. Saravalli tweeted out during the day um, how everything unfolded. Uh, Leafs he he said Leafs made it clear Sandine's camp to Sandy's camp that they were not going above Lilligren's AAV. Um, after Dursey, Sean Dursey's contract, Sandine asked was 1.6 million. They compromised to have the second year beat at 1.6 million for said qualifying uh, offer purposes. So, yeah, that was, so it must have gotten down the last few days where maybe they wanted to get something done. Yeah, it's just it, it is interesting. Like it's whether it's broken down differently, like you mentioned, or or what it is, but it's an offer that was likely on the table for some time. Um, maybe it was a one-year deal and that's what they were looking at regardless. Uh, it's, it's, it's nice to see them get it done. And now it's just going to be a fun, fun time for the front office to try and see how they, they fit them in, uh, cap wise. Cause I think right now they're sitting just about 3 million over the cap, um, with, with that signing. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I know there's been a lot of speculation online on who could go, obviously Justin Hall, Alex Kerfoot are two names that jump right to the forefront of that. Um, but at a certain point, you know, you gotta, you gotta find a way to get those guys that you've, you've, uh, you've had in your organization into the lineup and Sandine's one of those guys. And there's a lot, a lot of faith in this kid. So it'll be interesting to see what he does this season and, and how much time he gets and, and, uh, how injuries might play out, uh, with him again this year. Um, hopefully not, but you know, only time will tell. Um, that said, the Leafs have had three, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say to piggyback on top of that, I want to give a shout out to uh, to Sam, our, our boy Sammy Turpak because he, when you mentioned Alex Kerfoot and Justin Hall, obviously those two guys are the names that everyone's been kind of throwing around in trade proposals. Guys who you know money that money the Leafs can afford to shed, and I'm I wasn't quite as much on the trade Kerfoot bandwagon as I think some people were, but. I do want to read out this tweet from Sammy here. He says, counting Zach Aston Reese's expected contract. And on that note, if you guys didn't see Lance Hornby's sports sports wrap up or whatever it was, he basically said that the Leafs plan to sign Zach Aston Reese to a contract. So, I mean, I Moves think everybody could have seen that. Yeah, I think everybody could have seen that coming. So if, if he signs, which, you know, will probably be in the, in the vicinity of 800, 850K, just above, above league minimum. Then at that point, the Leafs are almost $3 million over the cap with the 23-man roster. So the Leafs do have to make a move. 
And I wouldn't be as inclined to trade Kerfoot, especially when you're looking at the back end and how, you know, the Leafs have nine guys who are capable of playing on an NHL team on, on D right now. So obviously on the forefront, it looks like Justin Hall has got to be the guy that's get traded, but I'm a little more inclined to, I'd be a little more inclined to entertain trade proposals for Kerfoot. If I'm, if I were Kyle Dubas, just because of how many young players, young forwards have showed up to camp this year and impressed. Yeah. I mean, when you look at, at it, when this team is fully healthy and Pierre Engvall is back and all the guys they have are, are good to go, you're, you think about how guys like Adam Gaudet, Nick Robertson, Pontus Holmberg, Alex Steves, Dennis Mulgan, all of these guys, I would say right now, are good enough to play in the NHL. But maybe one of them out of those five is going to crack the lineup with a fully healthy roster. So Kerfoot's a guy who obviously is going to help. And he'll, you know, he's not, he's not a detriment to this team. He's a guy that's going to, he's, he's a jack of all trades, master of none. He's one of those players and he'd obviously help out the team. But I think the fact that the Leafs have guys like, like Pontus Holmberg, like Alex Steves who scored two goals in his first preseason game. Dennis Mulgan's got two goals in his two games so far. I know we're not using preseason to judge how guys are going to do this year, but at the same time, these are guys who are really making an effort to play for the Leafs this year. Dennis Mulgan came back from Switzerland after essentially being the best player in the league just because he wanted to play for the Leafs. So I think they can afford to give up Kerfoot in this sense, and maybe you just use it as some cap relief because they've got so many forwards that are willing, that are that are looking for an opportunity. And I didn't even mention Nick Abrazese. That's another guy mm-hmm. who's, who would be looking to come for a roster spot this year. So I think the Leafs more than ever right now have to entertain a trade for Kerfoot because it'll, it'll clear up the cap that they need to. And, you know, it'll set them up for potentially having some more guys who can, who can come into the lineup and contribute for a cheap cost for their, for a couple of years before they have to worry about signing it. We've seen teams like Tampa Bay do this. We've seen, we've seen teams do this with their mid round picks and the Leafs currently have a bunch of guys who are waiting for their shots. So I really really think that it's time that maybe they, he starts entertaining those offers on Kerfa just because, you know, it's the, it's the instant cap relief and there's, there's no shortage of guys who could come in and battle to take a spot. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with you guys more. I think, you know, at a certain point you have, to, I've said this from the get-go with goal, goaltending. I, I believe it throughout the lineup. I mean, Tampa, you, you said it, it's a perfect example that, you know, Tampa's Tampa's a team that is built from within for years. They've built from within and look what it's gotten them. And that's you have to build that that kind of trust in your in your development program. Otherwise, why do you have scouts? Why do you have an AHL team? Why do you have all that all that, you know, all that uh, stuff beyond the NHL roster? Right. So um with with that, I mean, we are we don't we try not to base things off of preseason games. We try not to. You know, you have the people that are going to freak out about the lineup changes. You have the people that are going to read into it as as I did with the Dennis Malkin going on the second line. But there is there is some chemistry built, you know, from those from those situations, right? There there is some chemistry, and we've seen that with like Malkin and Nylander getting the opportunities to kind of figure things out. Um, what are your thoughts? The Leafs have had three preseason games so far. They're due for another one tomorrow against Ottawa. What are your thoughts so far on what they've been able to do in those three preseason games and who stood out to you? I'll throw it to Alex first. You know what? And just to piggyback on what you said, Forbes, I think a lot of people, 
you know, see something like that. And, you know, I knew that the comment section on your piece was going to be a disaster because Dennis Morgan is one of the most forbidden names among Leaf fans. But, you know, I, I think it's a knee-jerk reaction for some fans to be like, you know, for for every fan that looks too much into preseason and thinks that, you know, guys are going to, you know, they're going to have a big breakout season because they look really good in preseason. For every guy like that, I think there's a guy who's like, oh, wow, Dennis Morgan, you know, he has one good game next to Nylander and all of a sudden he's going to be the top six winger this year. And to that, I say, I really don't think there is any issue with starting a guy like that in the top six just to see how he does. Mm-hmm. because. I'm sorry, like, you know, people can act like there have been downgrades this year because they lost Ilya Mikheyev and, you know, they lost Jason Spezza, obviously. They lost some names up front. But you can't tell me that the, like, you can't tell me that if Malgin doesn't work out and they end up having to put, say, Pierre Engvall or... or Callie Croke. I don't know. Kelly Croke. yep. So I knew you were, I, I was looking for the name. I knew you were going to come up with there. You you can't tell me that if those guys like that if Mulgan doesn't work in the top six then Pierre Engvall and um and Cali Yarncrow one of those two would be worse than how Mikheyev was last year in that top six or Kerfoot was even I just I I I I don't think the Leafs are at a point right now where you know they're desperate for a guy to play in their top six I think they've got a lot of options and you know Mulgan yeah he's shown good chemistry with Nylander so far in preseason so. I don't see an issue at all with starting him in the top six and just seeing what happens because if it, you know, who knows, he could get hot early on and maybe by that point they've got good enough chemistry that he sticks there all year. Or maybe he doesn't. Maybe they, maybe the, the chemistry fizzles out after a couple games. Mulgan ends up being a bottom six guy, or maybe he doesn't even end up playing for the Leafs at all. I, I, you know, I think like for every person in preseason that, that overlooks every single decision or sorry, overthinks every single decision rather. I think that, I, I think that people got to understand that with preseason, it's all about just giving guys opportunities and seeing how they thrive in them. And the Leafs offense, they, like they've got so many, they're so top heavy and they have so many star players and their depth is not bad. So I don't think it'll be an issue if Morgan starts in the top six. And I'd be perfectly, perfectly happy seeing that because I think that over a short sample size, there's, there's a chance he can catch fire and who knows where it goes from there. So I think it would be I, I think it would be solid for them to uh, give Morgan a shot in the top six and just see how things go because in preseason so far it's looked good so why not try it? Peter, what have your thoughts been so far on that second line chemistry and and what we've seen so far in the preseason contest? Um. I'm, I, I basically have an article coming out about some early standouts and lo and behold, I talk about Dennis Morgan because he has been really great. And I think uh, Keith mentioned his work ethic and the fact that he is a smaller player, he's doing a great job of generating that speed, but using not necessarily a size advantage because he is a smaller player, but he's, you know, getting into the inside position and he's got like, you know, that lower center uh, of gravity and the strength with his legs to try and like, hold defenders off with a shoulder and try and maintain that positioning and separation. Um, that has been on full display. And and you see a difference from the eight games that we saw with him last, uh, well, before the pandemic hit where he, you know, was still trying to find his footing. He didn't have the best stint at that time. 
And now coming over, he, it looks like he's a whole new player. It seems like he's rejuvenated. He's more motivated to try and go in and battle and maintain a spot in the top six. So it doesn't surprise me that him and Nylander are feeding up because they both play that high tempo game with, uh, you know, that puck possession style. Um, Nylander's looked great uh, early on in the preseason. I think we're going to see that power forward type style because I saw a few times where he's like stiff arming a defender to try and maintain that separation and then go and attack the net. So um, great to see that from him. But Morgan himself, I, I think he's just been fantastic. I think he's been playing really, really great. Um, and, you know, Keefe is taking note of that. And the fact that you put him on the second line, you want to try and see what he can do. Obviously, everyone's going to get a little bit mad because of that trade because of the fact that maybe that spot's slated for Nick Robertson, but Nick Robertson's in a battle himself and everyone's going to say, Oh, preseason doesn't matter. It's not important. Well, for a guy like Mulligan to come in and have the impression that he's already having on the coach, that's important for him for Nick Robertson to come in and have a great snipe and build off and uh, get, gain some motivation to make the roster. These games are important for him. Obviously you don't look at the points, but Players are going to put their heart and soul into these games because they want to make a difference. They want to make the team and they want to contribute big time. So seeing that from Morgan, I really like his, you know, that work ethic and drive because I think that that's the main thing that they want to try and address, get more speed, get more physicality, obviously not necessarily from Morgan, but from, you know, guys like Nick Abe-Kubel, Zach Aston-Reese, be quicker. And Morgan has that aspect to his game. And obviously everyone is going to, I'm, going to point out it's 94 points in two seasons that's impressive at the tops uh you know senior league in switzerland obviously compare that to the nhl may not be as great but if he's able to get 40 50 points kind of like a michael bunting thing on that second line if once once Tavares is healthy and nylander is peak nylander uh, they have a really good player on their hands and one that can possibly be an underrated player for them throughout the whole entire season. So I've just been very happy with him. Obviously I'm not going to talk too much about Callie Yarncroft or Alex Steves because I think Alex Steves deserves a roster spot in that bottom six. He's everything that this team needs. And I, I, I thought he was the best player at the rookie tournament in Traverse city comes over already has three points in two games. And he's just, Again, he's got another level of speed in his game that I think is just going to benefit the Maple Leafs, especially in that bottom six role. One of the things that Sheldon Keefe has said about Dennis Malgan so far is that he's come over and he's been a bit of bit more of a spark plug and something that he needs to mm-hmm. utilize as a guy of his his stature. Um, the one thing that I've noticed is that you don't give these guys opportunities. They don't have a chance to succeed. And I, I say that, and I, and I know I'm going to probably get ripped apart for this one, but I'm not in any way comparing him to Michael Bunting. That said, Michael Bunting was yeah. put with Marner and Matthews last season and had a rookie caliber, a Calder caliber year, mm-hmm. regardless of what your thoughts are on the, the, the Calder rules. He, he was a rookie candidate and he put up, <laughs> 78-year-old Michael Bunting. 78-year-old Michael <laughs> Bunting was a rookie uh, Calder Trophy candidate. <laughs> but yeah. you don't put Melgan in that opportunity. Like you like you said, Alex, you don't get a chance to see what he can do with, with players of Tavares and Nylander's, you know, magnitude, right? Like that's a different skill level than what he was he's maybe used to playing. So for me, I think you gotta you gotta give him the opportunity. If you're seeing chemistry there. And there is definitely some chemistry there. You give him an opportunity. Um, I'm not saying like 
you know, three games in, it doesn't work out. Maybe you change your mind, but give him a shot, see what he can do. And, and, you know, you didn't bring him back for, for no reason. So I, for me, Dennis Mulligan's a guy that, you know, gets a lot of criticism because of, you know, who he was traded for. And I had this conversation with one of our writers over at the hockey writers and based on like one of Kyle Dubas's worst trades was Jason Robertson for, or sorry, Jason Robertson was uh Mason Marchment. I'm thinking Dallas stars here. Uh, Mason Marchment for uh, Dennis Mulligan. And I, I understand the argument because Mason Marchment had an incredible year last year. That said, he was also playing on the Florida Panthers. I, I don't, I truly, and this is nothing against Mason Marchment. I truly do not believe that he's going to match that point total anytime soon. And especially on a Dallas Stars team. On a Dallas Stars team that, unless you're playing on that top line with Rupe Hintz, I believe Pavelski was centering them last year, and Jason Robertson, if he signs or when he signs, um, you're not, you're not, you're not getting that kind of point totals. It's just that's not Dallas Stars hockey right now. So for me to com- to make that comparison at the time, you didn't know what you had in Mason Marchman, and you didn't know that he was going to pop off for the the amount of points that he did with the Florida Panthers. So it's time to take a step back on Dennis Mulligan, see what he can do. He had the two years at home with family. He had the two years where, you know what, his focus was on the Swiss league. Now he's come back over, give him an opportunity. This kid's 25 years old. Like we're talking like he's a 31 year old and that he, you know, hasn't put up any points. This guy's, this guy is literally, I'm pretty, he's from the same draft class. I'm pretty sure as Mitch Marner. Like they're both born in 2015. Yeah. He's born in the same, same year as Austin Matthews. Matthews yeah. was born in 2017 too. Like they're the, th- this guy's young. And to be fair to that writer that you've had these discussions with, um, he did say that the bigger reason he was salty about the trade was because he was a big Brian. Absolutely. So we'll Absolutely. Give him, we'll yeah. give him a pass. Yeah, there. yeah, we'll yeah. Give him a pass there. But, but I just, I just know time, he's 100 percent right. Like I, he's not the only one that's going to make that argument though, right? The the, the focus right now oh, is going to no. be on what have you done for me since that trade. And obviously, Malgan yeah. haven't gone mm-hmm. overseas for two years. You know, that's not a fair argument to make. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, no, and like it doesn't, it also doesn't help his case when in the eight games that he played for the Leafs in that 2018, or sorry, 2019, 20, he went pointless in like eight games or something. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when, you know, not, not exactly a great start. He plays eight games. He, he plays, he plays eight games. He doesn't get a single point doesn't play for them in the bubble goes to Europe for two years. Meanwhile, there's this six foot four Toronto kid, Mason Marchment, who's um, lighting it up for the Florida Panthers, throwing big hits. Obviously it's going to look horrible, but who knows, who knows where this season's going to take us. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I was just about to say, not necessarily interesting point, but the Maple Leafs have Malkin listed as 182 pounds other sites that i'm seeing him at is like 179 175 way lower than that so he's added some you know weights to his game to try and be a little bit more tougher to knock the puck off and that's great and one more other thing to note this game coming up against ottawa senators their fourth game there are not a lot of regulars in this game this is like those that are like bottom six slash on the bubble type of roster game kind of feel that you want to get a sense of everybody so you're going to see Holmberg, you're going to see Robertson, you're going to see Alex Seas, and you're going to see Dennis Morgan. Those type of players that we that we've mentioned time and time again that are like on that bubble cusp of making the roster possibly being sent down. 
this is going to be an important game. And like I said before, these games matter. So when you don't have the star players, it's up to these players to try and put that next step forward, even if they end up losing. And Dennis Malkin still has a fantastic game, whether he gets a point or not. If he shows that consistency, and I think this is going to be the big thing going forward with players like him, like even Matt Murray or Samsonov, finding that consistency. If you find that consistency in your overall play, you're going to make this roster. And if Morgan can have a strong game where he's the star in a sense on a team of bubble players, that's going to go well for his case that maybe he can be a top six forward on this team. No, absolutely. And, and that that's that's the biggest thing, right? Is opportunity. Opportunity. If you get it, you got a, you got a chance to succeed. So um aside from that, I kind of know who Peter's gonna say here, but who who's who stood out for you so far in these three seasons? Who's who's looking good? Who's maybe you know needs a little bit uh little bit more buffering down in the uh down in the AHL? Uh, Peter, you go you go first, Peter. Yeah. It, it, Alex read my mind in the episode of Maple Leafs Lounge, so I'm just going to come out and say Alex Steves. I, I'm I'm on the Alex Steves train that this guy should make the roster. I I, I think he's going to handcuff Sheldon Keith and Kyle Dubas to say, hey, this guy should not be sent down. He's doing everything right. He's doing everything that the, a fourth-line player – obviously, I think maybe he's going to be more middle, middle six, second or third line at some point, but if he starts it on the fourth line – I think it's going to be absolutely fantastic because I mentioned time and time again, last year's fourth line was really slow and sluggish. Um, you know, they were meant to be physical and hard hitting, but they lacked that speed. That was a difference maker against Tampa Bay. You know who has that kind of play? Alex Steves. You know who could go into the corner and fight along the fight for the puck and even uh, come out on top of a board battle and go to the center ice and rip a shot? Alex Steves. You know who who can come back and be a reliable defensive player in your own zone? Alex Steves. I think, again, small sample. And we even saw this uh, a bit last season because I believe he had a three-game stint last year and he he recorded an assist. And even though the fourth line as a whole didn't look great, I still liked uh, bits and parts of Alex Steves' game. Obviously, he needed to refine some aspects. I think he's done that tremendously right now. And... I, I can't see him not make this team. I, I If he doesn't, I'm obviously going to be a little bit surprised because I guess I thought he's done everything he can to try and make this roster. If, if he doesn't make it, it's going to be a byproduct of them going more senior type players, and that's fine. But I, I just – I think he has that edge. I think he has that work ethic and competitive uh, or compete level that Sheldon Keefe would need in a fourth-line role. Um, in terms of a player that I think may need some retooling, I'm, I'm going to, he's probably not going to make the roster anyways, but he has some upside and I'm just not seeing it right now. Cause he's still inconsistent as Semyon Dargachensev. Um, he can be a really great playmaker. Obviously I think he's still ways away, but he needs to take like that next step and be more, of a player that can show that he can try and battle a little bit. I'm not seeing that quite right now. He was hit or miss at times during the rookie tournament. Um, I'm pretty sure he hasn't. I, I'm, I'm going to have to come back and do a loop around on his stat check or like how many games he's played so far. I think he's only played maybe one so far in the preseason, maybe two. But if he, I, I think he's going to be sent down, obviously it's, it's, it's a given. 
But I think he needs to try and take that next step forward because not necessarily time is running out because he's still young, 22. But, you know, we talk about consistency. I just don't see that from him at this moment. Alex, any guys that have st- stood out to you aside from Alex Steves? Yeah, well, I there, uh, there's one guy in mind, but I know he's your guy, so I'm not going to say his name. Um, <laughs> I'm going to uh, I'm going to say Callie Yarncroke, Peter's other boy, uh, just because I think that he I think that was a great way for him to make a first impression. You know, he, he plays alongside Austin Matthews in his first game in a Leafs jersey and scores two goals instantly I think that was a great way for him to make an impression with this team and he's quickly made a fan out of Sheldon Keith and I think that you know nine times out of ten if Sheldon Keith's a fan of your game it, it means good things for you on the roster so um with Mikhaev's departure I wouldn't at all be surprised to see uh Young Probe sort of used in a similar role I know that Mikhaev's obviously far and away got a beat in, in terms of speed but in the sense that Yarncroke's a guy who on a fully, you know, post-trade deadline team heading into the playoffs that's fully healthy, I think that he's a guy who you'll probably find on the third line. But until then, he's absolutely a guy who you can get away with throwing in the top six. Um, he's got a much better shot than I thought he did. He has a he's got a very deceptive shot, which I think uh, who knows, maybe he can score 15 goals or or something along the lines of that this year. Um but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the role that he's deployed in this year because uh, he's looked good in, based on the small sample size so far. Uh, good veteran presence, and I love the fact that he signed for four years at that at that price tag of 2.1 million. I think for a guy like Yarncroke, you really can't get better than that. So um, I think Dubas deserves some credit for locking him up for that contract. And another guy, just I want to sort of just throw just throw out there, just because is Bobby McMahon. We've mentioned Bobby yeah. McMahon a couple of times. Shout out to our listener last time. who was like, who's going to surprise out of camp and why is it Bobby McMahon? Um, <laughs> also shout out to Kyle Cushman because he tweeted about this and sort of put the idea in my head. He was essentially saying, don't be surprised if McMahon gets a couple of, gets a couple of games and with injuries. And I think he's a guy that will get some games this year just because he's, he's one of those, he's one of those lower, low floor players. And it sounds like an insult, but or sorry, low ceiling players, I should say, not low floor players. And it sounds like a it sounds like a bad thing, but it's not. It just means that his skill set is perfectly suited for that of a bottom six player. He's already a little bit older. He's already, I believe, like 24, 25, maybe around there. But you know, a guy who's six foot two, he can play center, he throws the body, he was throwing the body a lot in preseason, uh, in the games that I saw of him. And uh, I just think that he's a guy that you know, similar to how Justin Hall came up through the ECHL and, you know, before the Leafs took a flyer on someone like maybe Timothy Lilligren, who was in the AHL instantly, or maybe one of their, like Sean Dursey or another one of their maybe more electric, younger defensemen. Hall was the guy that initially got the call up because he plays that stable, like just that stable, for the most part, reliable game. At least that's what he was playing at the time. So I think in the sense that, you know, you're not it's not like someone like Nick Robertson where if you're calling him up to put him on the team you kind of got to put him in a position where he's going to succeed I think Bobby McMahon if he if he's an emergency call up for an injury or something like that I think he'd fit on that fourth line seamlessly so he's a guy that I would consider maybe keeping an extra tab on and in terms of a player that maybe needs to get maybe need you know hasn't impressed all that much I really don't prior two days ago I probably would have said Nick Robertson but he scored in his first game back so um, maybe poor timing for that. But of course we talked to David Alter last week and he was saying that Robertson is going to have to, um, 
refine some some defensive aspects of his game and stop trying to do too much and things like that. So that I have to agree with your take on Dargachinsev. Yeah, I just think that Dargachinsev is a guy who I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to call him a bust. And I, you know, it'd be unfair to call him a bust anyways because he's a third round pick, and you know, those middle round picks can go either way. But I think Dargachinsev is just a guy who. At this point, he's really got to step up and and impress and have a full breakout season in the AHL just because he's sort of like Robertson in the sense where if you call him up to the NHL, how is like how is he what's he gonna get out of playing on the fourth line, playing four minutes a night? Who leads the team in hits? I think Bobby McMahon, doesn't he? According to natural statric, he leads the team in hits with 12. That's that's what so I'm saying, man. He's... This is a guy who's he's a little older than some of the other prospects. He's a guy who throws the body. He's he's got some good size. He can play center. He's a guy who you can I, I think you could see playing in the bottom six if if injuries happen. Yeah, he's I, gonna I, hit everything in sight. I was gonna say he's he's been a he's been an absolute spark plug. Like he's just been flying around the ice and like you said, hitting everything that he sees. And I think that's why you know, you, you see him as like that stable, know what you're going to get type of player. Cause he's going to be, he's going to go out there. He's going to play hard. He's going to, you know, do what he can. And he's got that little bit of offensive upside as well. That's going to hopefully, you know, maybe land him an opportunity to see a couple games, but um, yeah, no, definitely, definitely Bobby McMahon's a guy that I was going to talk about a little bit too, but uh, Dennis Melgan, obviously I have to talk about uh, two goals, one assist. Um, he's seeing 17 minutes a game right now, uh, has a power play goal, has, I believe six shots. Uh, let me just, let me just confirm that. But I think he's sitting like, he's one of the highest, uh, highest in terms of shot total. Yeah. He's second on the team to Alex Steve. So, I mean, I don't want to put too much into this whole, you know, this whole preseason talk, but at the same time, it's where you find those guys that fill in the roster. Right. And, and yeah. for, for so long, we've talked about that second line left wing, obviously now, you know, that center spot's going to be a conversation with Tavares out of the lineup as well for a little bit, but no, definitely something that we have to, uh, we have to keep an eye on. And I think Dennis Mulligan's a guy that could de- certainly slot in there and, and, and work well with, with William Nylander. I do want to quickly mention as well, the goaltending because I've been mm-hmm. super impressed with the goaltending. And again, it is preseason. So we can only take it for, you know, for its, you know, what it's worth, but Murray's looked good. Murray's looked really good. Sam Sonoff looked really good. Uh, Dylan Ferguson's actually impressed me quite a bit. Uh, and I believe he's on a PTO. Um, yeah. But again, PTO. another, another guy that could maybe slot into the Marley's lineup and, and be a guy that they look at uh, moving forward. But Eric Schalgren's another guy that hasn't looked horrible. Um, I don't think Schalgren's a guy that I want to see as, you know, full-time NHLer at this point, I, I'd like to see a little bit more from him. But again, the goaltending has been the, the biggest issue at times over the last couple of seasons. Uh, and that's no knock on Jack Campbell, um, but he's had some some rough stints as well. And that's that's what the Leafs need, is they need somebody who's going to go out there and steal a couple games for them, especially down the stretch, into the playoffs, somebody that can stand on their head. Matt Murray might be the guy. He might be the guy. Um, health is obviously going to play it play a factor but i've liked what i've seen so far he seems very intrigued with playing with for his childhood team in the blue and white the you know said he had a lot of fun putting the jersey on and getting out there so uh definitely something to to 
to watch as we head into the season as well. Um, and, and as they kick it off early in October, um, before, just, uh, before we go any further, I just want to mention Ilya Samsonov, he's only played in one game, but he faced 10 high danger shots against mm-hmm. in that game against the Ottawa Senators. And last season, obviously, his mobility was not the best. There were times when the Maple Leafs played Washington and they chased him and he was just like panicking all over the place when the puck was near him. He looked more composed and more steady in that with his movement. And the fact that he was able to not panic in those situations where the puck is near him, that's going to be key because time and time again, I mentioned Matt Murray's high danger save percentage compared to Jack Campbell's Jack Campbell was in below 800 and Matt Murray was about eight, I don't know, 15, 820, considering that he played minimal games. If both of these goalies have a decent high danger save percentage, that's going to win them games big time because that high danger slot area, that's going to be key. And the fact that both Matt Murray and Sonsonov has shown to shut it down um, with, you know, back-to-back 16 saves, obviously not necessarily a shutout for Sonsonov in that game. Well, both of them technically had a shutout when they played. Um, they're able to keep that going. That's going to be key because I talked about how this is probably the most balanced goalie tandem we've seen in some time because we've always had one goalie gaining majority of the starts. And if both goalies can get about, you know, split it 60, 40 in terms of the starts and have decent outings, that's going to be huge for them down the line. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I forget the the stat I'll have to find it and and we'll talk about it next episode, but there was a a stat that came out and showed that their numbers, Samsonov and, uh, and Murray's numbers um, last season, um, I believe uh, I was, it was high danger save percentage. It might've been over whatever, 300, 3000 minutes or something like that. And Murray mm-hmm. obviously didn't qualify, but um, they both would have been higher than Jack, Jack Campbell. So something worth, worth keeping in mind is, as we head into the season um, before we talk about the NHL salary cap, I did just want to do a couple quick hits here. Um, obviously Michaela Grant Mentis, um we uh, we've talked about her because she was with the Toronto six last season. Um, good news story of the day. She got to quit her job as a FedEx delivery person um, because of her new contract. Uh, just, I want to mention it because I think it's a huge step in the right direction for women's hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, not only that, but obviously a, a player of color. So something that's great on all aspects of it. And uh, we'd love to see it. So congratulations to her on getting to leave FedEx also, I hate FedEx because I believe they charged me like two months later for a package I received. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not paying this. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get Grant Mentis on the podcast. And you're the first question you're gonna have is so tell me a little more about FedEx. Yeah. Now, yeah. Can you do you know anything about why my I would have gotten charged for this package two months after the <laughs> Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Oh. That's, that's, amazing. Um, that's amazing though. Honestly, she just became like, what was it? Like the highest paid. She was, I guess not just became, it was a couple months ago, but she became what the highest paid player in the, in, in the women's PHF, professional. Yeah. Which yeah. is, which is awesome. That's, yeah. you know, we've, we've had trailblazers on the show before and she's another one of them. And uh, for all the work that there is still to be done in 2022, it's pretty cool. And we can say that a woman of color is the highest paid player in, in the PHF in, in a, in, I would say the top women's hockey league in the world. So yeah. I think that's, I, I think that's awesome. And, uh, you know, it's, it can only mean good things in the future for other, for other young people of color and women who are trying to make a, make a name for themselves in the world of hockey. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And and from good to bad, we got to talk about Vancouver Canucks owner Acalini, Francisco Acalini. Um, Peter, you want to start this off? He's being accused by his estranged children of child abuse, uh, both physical and mental child abu- abuse uh, when they were younger. I, I don't know if there's much to really say on it. It's kind of a quick hit. We don't really have to touch on it. I uh, just thought it, it's worth raising because, uh, you know, we talk about all the figures that we don't want to see in the game as players from us, from a, from an ownership standpoint as well. You can't have those people in the game because I truly believe that the atmosphere in the room starts from the top down. If you have somebody like that running the show, it's bound to trickle down throughout the organization as well. Um, I, oh, I'm only becoming aware of this right now, so I'm not going to comment too much on it, but uh, serious allegations right away. I mean, any form of abuse is just unacceptable and just appalling, but um, I'm just going to leave it at that. I, I, because this is only news that, that I'm only hearing right now. I'm, just not going to comment any further but overall it's just when you hear that it 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 is it it, it's just concerning it really is and obviously when more details come out and we hear more then we can make it a you know kind of a judgment or take on it but at the moment yeah it it, it, it's just concerning if if these about these allegations no matter what no no fair enough no i'm i'm you know, we can kind of stay, stay away from this with, with this topic a little bit, just because there isn't a lot of information out there at this point in time, but I do, I do just want to name drop real quick before we, or not name drop, I guess, before we move on, but a uh, guy named Trent Leaf on, on Twitter at Trent L 14 uh, may have found Aquilini's burner account. Oh there's yeah. A, there, saw, is an account, there is an account with two followers named Brooke Ellis. And one of those followers is Francesco Acolini. Oh man. Just I, how, first of all, how, if, like if, if I don't know if this is his burner account or if this is maybe the, this, this, this lady that's involved with this scandal or what, but how fucking stupid do you have to be to be following an account like that? If you're yeah. trying to, if you're trying to, if you're trying to defend yourself or defender honor from a fake name and a fake account. Why the fuck would you be following it? Especially as somebody with a following like he has. Right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I did see that. I, I completely forgot about that, but um, yeah, it's like every sports owner has to have a burner account. I think, you know, what, what was the last one? Uh, Colangelo had, had the one with oh. the Phoenix Suns. Uh, anyways, anyways, gentlemen, last topic before we close it out for the night. The NHL salary cap is expected to go up to 92 million in 2025-26, just in time to make Austin Matthews' contract with the Maple Leafs look damn good. Um, Peter, your thoughts on on the the salary cap and the speculation that the and I'm I'm just reading this I'm just reading this off of you know the the Twitterverse, the speculation that the Toronto Maple Leafs might might be getting ready to sign Connor McDavid. <laughs> Uh, I mean, if the salary caps go up, you really think Edmonton's <laughs> going to let Connor McDavid walk? Um, I mean, uh, we all need talking points at some point, right? Like, we all no, want to talk about it, and especially consider the fact that, <laughs> hey, maybe McDavid does want to come to Toronto. Will he take a discount? Who knows? I don't know. But um, 
I mean, it, it is good news considering that you're seeing this grad, not necessarily gradual, but like steep increase because it's going from 83.5 from 23-24 to 87.5 to 80 or in between 87.5, 88 for 24-25 and then 92 right after, another 4 million right after that possibly, give or take. Um, yeah, that, that, that this when the Maple Leafs signed Matthews, Tavares, and everything, they expected and Marner to those contracts, they expected the salary cap go up. Unfortunately, circumstances happened, pandemic and everything, salary cap got halted, every team became in a cap crunch. But now you're seeing that, you know, th- this is what needed to happen. This is where teams thought things would go. And now with Nathan McKinnon and his $12.6 million contract, um, when the salary cap goes up, that contract's going to probably look like a steal again for McKinnon, possibly. But you know, for the fact that Matthews is going to be a UFA in 24 25, how that's going to be 87.588, you could work around or structure the salary cap so that way it can benefit him for the next or the following year when that salary cap is going up, you can increase his um average annual value or total salary, what have you. So it is a massive increase to say the least. Cause now not only can you afford possibly Matthews, you could afford Mitch Marner. John Tavares would probably be looking for a new contract the year before. Would he be taking less? I would have to assume he'd be taking less than the 11 million that he's making right now, maybe five potentially. I, that's where I'm going to like guesstimate. 950, 950 K. 950k. <laughs> if if he's taking 950k at that point, I'll still take it. If we're if it means John Tavares is going to get like 50, 60 points, but um, yeah, it's huge. And now they can start planning ahead because if this is what's going to happen, they could be prepared for it, and they don't have to go into these long and drawn out negotiations where they're going to be like, okay, this is what's going to happen. This is going to be Plan A, Plan B, Plan C. They're going to, especially with Kyle, Kyle Dubas and Brandon Britham they're going to be doing their due diligence and homework right now because they're going to be ready. Yeah. I mean, Alex, it's like the perfect gift for the Maple Leafs going into the season, knowing that in two years, a contract that they don't even want to talk about for the next two years, they'll be able to sign with Austin Matthews. What are your thoughts on the cap uh, increase? My thoughts are the cap increase is great, but I really want to put the McDavid to Toronto talk to rest until we can oh, figure out. Uh, no, 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 hold What's on. Wrong until, with you? until we can figure out a way <laughs> to ensure that Dennis Morgan is locked up long term, okay? Yeah. Okay, you bring, you bring up that, a valid point. That's and a valid then, point. And then okay. after yeah. that, maybe if, maybe if they've got some extra room for, for McDavid, whoever whoever that guy is, then maybe maybe they'll be able to bring him in. Maybe maybe he'll take a discount to come to Toronto, but I don't know. Morgan getting 10.5 million. That seems reasonable to me. <laughs> I, I think so too. He's going to put up 120 points this year, playing alongside William Nylander. At least you know it. Him. Yeah. <laughs> you know it. I, I, I just, I don't see a way that I don't see another way this plays out this year. We are, I, we are not homers, by the way. We are not homers. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is purely an objective take from us. Um, but for real, uh, I don't really have anything to say about the cap rising aside from basically a more watered down, dumber, dumbed down version that, of what you guys said. So it's great. You know, the Leafs will have money in a couple of years to sign Austin Matthews, hopefully. And that's that's really all I have to say about it. I, I heard I heard Connor McDavid want to leave because uh, Jim Matheson was going to was renewing his contract with the Edmonton Journal or wherever the hell he's working now. So, um, <laughs> no, but uh I'm pretty yeah, sure he's flying over to Switzerland to harass Mikkel Goskin and even further. 
Oh man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably, probably. Oh, I heard him and uh, Leon Dreisaitl are actually working together to write a book. So, um, oh my god. <laughs> anyways, uh, gentlemen, it's it, it's definitely good news for the Leafs that the uh, the cap will be increasing. Definitely good news for us that uh, we've got a live show in Toronto at the bottom line on October 12th. We are working on time details, so we'll get that to you as soon as possible. Check all of our socials for that uh, that information. But uh, there will be a vodka tasting, so make sure that if you don't have plans on October 12th, get on out, have a little shot of vodka, and have a beer with the boys uh, we'll be watching some of the game together as well. So it's going to be a fun night over at the bottom line, 22 front street, just steps from the hockey hall of fame. Other than that, boys, anything else you wanted to add before we close it out? Nope. We'll, uh, we'll likely be recording next after my next ball hockey game. So hopefully have a nice, <laughs> nice update for you guys there. By that time you'll be in division nine. So we'll be looking forward to it. <laughs> oh man. There I don't know. If, I don't know if they'll be, I don't know if the pod will be able to handle us jumping two divisions in <laughs> yeah. one season. Yeah. No hey, kidding. We're all, we're all for, we're all for it right here. So it yeah. needs to happen. It needs to happen. I there guess you so. go. There I you go. So. And just, and, and just for the purpose of this, um, when the time comes, we are going to be playing, um, we're going to be playing the cracked peppers. French and French and fried versus the cracked peppers. Jesus. There you go. There you go. There you go. Uh, All right, gentlemen. Well, as always, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow Alex at a Hobson media. You can follow Peter over at P Barracchini. You can follow myself at Andrew G Forbes, or you can follow the podcast at sticks in the six pod. That's S T I X I N T H E six I X P O D. Be sure, be sure to check us out at the bottom line on October 12th with Vodkow. Uh, it's going to be a great night. Other than that, gentlemen, um, hit us up on Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you download your podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe, download, review, rate, whatever you can do. Help us out uh, so we can continue to grow this great show. Otherwise, we'll be back with you next week for episode 97.